recently at the Kafka conference in Colorado here where a bunch of treatment facilities get together and we talk about trends and changes in the industry and new government regulations and business things like that. I was able to watch a husband and wife team speak. They were one of the talks at the Kafka conference. Their focus was talking about cell phone safety for your children and predators who are utilizing technology to prey on children. In my work, and I've been in this work a long time, I'm not surprised by a lot of things anymore. Things don't tend to take me out. This conversation, watching these two talk about their work, made me sick to my stomach. And one of the reasons why, and this part stands out so, so clearly to me, is that Sergeant Harris on the desk in front of him had three phones. And during his talk, every now and then he would stop and he would text on his phone. And while anybody else in an audience would consider it rude if the speaker was texting on the phone, he made it clear to us that he was portraying a young child talking live right there in the conference, texting a predator, and they were setting up to meet later that night. And it was one thing to hear the sergeant talk about what he was doing and does with this work. And it was another thing to watch it. I was infuriated by this. And I wanted to get these people on because this message to parents and to teachers and to clinicians is so important that we have to get every parent, any parent who's thinking about getting their kid a phone, they need to listen to this. This is not information you want when it's too late. It's support you can get, but you want this information before you ever put a phone in your kid's hand. Today's episode is called Dialing Danger, and my guest is Sergeant Michael Harris with the Jeffco County Sheriff's Office. This is Beyond Risk and Back. I am a teacher, teen and parent coach, internationally known trainer. I own and run a residential treatment center for teens. And best of all, I am a happy father, stepfather and husband. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Risk and Back, brought to you by Mental Health News Radio and Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center. I am your host, Aaron Huey. Beyond Risk and Back is designed for parents, clinicians, and teachers looking for support to guide the teens they care for to move forward from risky behaviors into real freedom and responsibility. Now, let's help each other get these kids back from Beyond Risk. Sergeant Harris, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I feel very, very grateful that you are with us sharing this information. And just thank you. I want parents to have this. Well, thank you very much for having us. Anytime we can uh, try to get our word on technology safety with our children and teens to any type of forum, uh, it's our pleasure because you never know what parent or what caretaker might be sitting out there thinking about what should I do, uh, what are my kids doing, uh, how should I better monitor them. And so it's a pleasure for us to be on your show. And we uh, thank you again for having us. Well, it, you guys were the first in Colorado and one of the first in U.S. to go after sex offenders who use technology and social sites to get kids for sexual purposes. Is that right? Yes, we uh, started our program in 1996. I had been a police officer for, oh, about 18 years or so. And in 1996, the internet was just at the forefront. And uh, I was working crimes against children cases where kids 
were sexually assaulted, abused, and uh, I always wanted to be proactive, but it's kind of hard to be proactive in that field because crimes of that nature occur behind closed doors and in private and are supposed to be secrets and kept secret. And uh, all of a sudden, I started seeing these forums where kids were going and communicating, and I know where kids go. So do adults who have a fascination and a sexual deviance to kids, and they go to these forums as well. And so I decided I wanted to try and be proactive and go into all areas of technology where kids go and portray ourselves as an underage teen in hopes of catching an adult who wants to prey on a child prior to them being able to get to an actual child. And so far, we've arrested over 945 since 1996. And more importantly is our technology safety program, which is the other facet of our operation. Wait a second. So you're saying since 1996, you're just shy of a thousand arrests? Yes, we average probably 45 to 50 arrests a year, and we also do about 100 to 120 technology safety presentations, primarily in an assembly format to area schools here in the Denver metro area. And we make appearances on the news. Anytime we can get an important message on technology safety to keep children a little bit safer, we'll use any form we can, such as your program. Wait a second. I want you to go back for a second because you're saying shy, just shy of a thousand arrest since 1996. Are you talking like, does your unit travel all over the U.S. or are you like, are these local arrests? We portray local children and teens in various technology forums, social networking sites, and we arrest people that are local and we've had people come from across the U.S. and even from Canada, England, Mexico, and actually one from Saudi Arabia. So you're luring people from all over the U.S. and Canada, Saudi Arabia, locals, but you're luring them to one town to bust them. Well, I wouldn't say we're luring them. They are attracted to underage children and they see the persona and they strike up a conversation with who they believe to be a real child and they come to where the child is. So Even though I'm in Jefferson County, which was one of our largest counties in the Denver metropolitan area, I could be in Arizona, I could be in New Mexico. These people will go to where the child is, whether they're local or whether they're from another state. If they find an opportunity to meet up with an underage child, they will do so. And a lot of people say, well, there's no way my kid would meet up with a stranger, an adult. And you got to realize these people are very good at identifying a teen in their vulnerable moment. The things that our kids go through, oftentimes these guys are great manipulators. They attack the vulnerabilities of our youth and they use those to their advantages to make them look like these great people that understand that troubled child. And all our kids go through rough times, especially in the middle school era, because today's society is different than when we grew up. Today, our kids are going 100 miles an hour. They have technology and our kids primarily believe everything they see and everything they read in technology, which makes them somewhat vulnerable. And then you put in the dynamics which are going on in their life. And sometimes they do seek out for attention or for other purposes, not meaning to get abused or sexually hurt by an offender. 
On this subject, is there a child profile that you guys have been able to identify as a parent? Could you give me a, a description of a type of child who does this? And I can look at my kid and go, phew, that's not my kid. Or, oh, crap, that's my kid he's talking about. It's hard to give you a profile. Let me tell you this, though. Out of all the children we deal with throughout the years, 90% of these kids are good kids with good families. But we all go through rough times in our lives with our spouses, with our kids. And there are times when there are, our kids have vulnerabilities. They're upset for one reason or another. They're having a hard time at school. And all of a sudden, there's somebody that can help them and they reach out to the wrong person. And sometimes it could be somebody that is truly a friend. But again, if you use my number one message, and my number one message is the same as it was in 1996, as it is today in 2017. And that is you only talk to people you know face to face. Such a simple message, but kids don't take that to heart because they see and they believe what they read and see on technology. But if they did that, then I would only have to worry about kids making mistakes with each other, such as sexting, bullying, harassment, things like that, if I wouldn't have to worry about strangers. Of these arrests that you've made, you're talking 945 arrests. Of these arrests that you made, how many have been successfully prosecuted? Almost all of them. We had one that uh, was thrown out on a technicality. It was due to the fact that the conversations took place on a phone and the statute didn't apply to the telephone at that time. Since then, the statute has been changed. Some of these cases were dismissed because uh the kid was put through the kid, I say the kid, the offender or the suspect was 18 or 19 at the time. And it was decided by the prosecution to put them through treatment rather than uh, make them offenders. I think that viewpoint has changed now. So I would have to say at least 95% are successful prosecutions out of 940 some arrests. Do you have any say or input as to whether someone that you've uh, busted for this should get treatment versus, you know, more corporal, but more severe legal punishment versus mental health treatment? And what would be your discerning factors for deciding this kid needs treatment, this kid needs to go to jail? I can give some input. The ultimate decision is made by the prosecuting attorney, the district attorney. The problem I have is when you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes, there's a couple of problems that concern me. One, there is an addiction to technology with the offenders. And two, obviously, they have an addiction of some sort, a sexual deviance of wanting to meet up with an underage child. And so there's two issues that they have to overcome. And overcoming any type of addiction is tough. But when you have a communication addiction, such as using technology instead of face-to-face, -face, even kids of today are addicted somewhat to technology because that's their primary connection to their friends, to everything that revolves around their world. And so I have concerns with technology addiction with everyone. I mean, I can actually say I'm probably addicted to technology. I carry three cell phones. And so there's got to be some type of, I mean, if I'm not looking at one phone or another, I'm feeling kind of empty and that's kind of sad too. Now, you and your wife are a team in this unit, and my assumption is she carries around a few cell phones as well, and you're actually six people per phone or three people per phone. How many personas do you have, and do you ever, do you ever uh, just kind of go a little loopy? Uh, 
Sometimes. Uh, right now we're running 10 personas because oh, we have another uh, investigator in our unit. So, and then trying to keep up with the different personas, the school schedules, the family dynamics that are associated with each uh, persona it keeps us on our toes. It's not easy. We're constantly uh, checking school schedules, school days off, because we have to be up on all that with uh, the personas that we're portraying because we have to be believable. And the reason we have to carry them is kids carry them basically 100% of the time. And so when suspects are communicating with an underage child, they're used to the child or the teen responding immediately. And if you work eight to five and say, okay, I'll respond to that person tomorrow, they're going to know that you're not a real child or there's something wrong. And they're going to move on to somebody that portrays the real type of teen that's continually able to communicate through technology because most of our kids have technology right in their bedroom at night. And that's one of my no-nos for parents. I want parents to have curfew set where technology is in their bedroom on a charger, on parents' bedroom, in a charger, no technology in teens' bedroom. I want to see time limits because kids have all the time in the world. They take their phones to school. They have them after school. They have them at the dinner table. If they even take time to have dinner with the family at the dinner table, because that's a rarity in today's world. And then they have them throughout the night. Yeah. Tell you that one's a big issue that prompted me coming to your talk in the first place was parents at our parent weekend asking me, what do I do about this cell phone thing? So I have one more question about you and your work. And then I want to get into some meat and potatoes of these rules for kids and rules for parents and what sites are these predators going to and what apps do parents need to be aware of and all that type of stuff. Because that, like I said, that was the meat and potatoes of your talk that I, I think I scribbled four pages of notes and am trying to disseminate it back to parents. I used the word luring earlier and you were quick to correct me. And I, and I will tell you as a man whose job it is to support families and children in recovery and crisis, I could care less how you catch these bastards. I, you, you go grab them, shake down everybody on the street, you know, pump them for information, do some of the superheroes in a bar beating up guys till you get a name. Like <laughs> for me, I obviously the terminology is less relevant to me, but there's some constraints for you, I'm, I'm assuming, with living in a country that has rights and freedoms that are not guaranteed elsewhere, that, that throughout the years, defense attorneys have found holes and loopholes and gaps in the law, and have there's legalese created around this. I said luring. You didn't like that term. Why and what term would you use? Because what I'm doing is I'm portraying myself as an everyday teen. I'm not there. I'm not my profile or my persona or my screen name. None of it says, come have sex with me. It just portrays an underage teen. And these people will look, will constantly try to strike up conversations. And I will have to tell you, the majority of people, when they find out that I'm 12, 13, 14, whatever my age, the majority of people say, hey, you're too young. I can't talk to you. Okay. But then you have some people that continue to talk. Now, why would an adult want to continue to talk to a 12, 13-year-old, even though nothing wrong has taken place yet? And voila, boom, pretty soon. Hey, do you like older? Hey, have you ever, uh, are you a virgin? Uh, how did you lose your virginity? They bring up all this stuff. And before you know it, hey, uh, I want to show you a picture. 
probably 70% of the individuals we talk to, and this is the same with actual victims that we have spoken to and have worked cases where real kids have been lured through technology for sexual purposes, these guys will send, and I say guys because out of the 945, we've only arrested two women, but they will send inappropriate pictures, primarily of their body parts. It's disgusting, but it happens more than anyone can realize. And then what is more shocking is how predominant our teens will send back their naked pictures or partially naked pictures. And a lot of say, there's no way my kid would do that. Well, I'm here to tell you, when I go to a middle school, one of the questions I ask the kids is I'll say in a moment, I am going to ask you, but this does not pertain to you. It pertains to your friends who are at school, not to you. How many of your friends that you know have sent their naked or partially naked picture, or how many of your friends here at school that you know have received someone's partially naked or naked picture? And right now I'm getting about 80% of a school assembly raising their hands saying that they know someone. And again, they're not acknowledging it's them, but it's very predominant. And think about it. Everything is sexualized in our environment. Everything our is music, sexualized. Con- yeah. it's, con- it's a our music, bombardment. Our TV, movies, clothing, magazines. I mean, you can't even watch the Super Bowl with your kid and not see a sexualized commercial of some sort. It's everywhere we go. And how does our young teens of today digest that and not have their sexuality skewed in some way? It's, it's got to be skewed. And as parents, we try to be as vigilant as we can and be involved with our kids. But in today's world, we don't have as much time as in yesterday's world where we had all that prime family time. Everyone is busy. Everyone's moving. Kids are doing things. Parents, both parents are working. And so that seed that we want to plant as parents in that intervention and guidance is very limited in today's world. And then with the technology being at our kids' fingertips, they're in constant communication even after school, before school, weekends holidays. And so there's a lot of influence that goes to our kids from their friends through technology and through others with technology. You know, yesterday for one of my podcasts, I interviewed Cam Adair, who is a internet uh, video game addiction expert. I've also uh, recently interviewed Carmen Cool, who is a therapist who specializes in body image and the diet obsession of our culture and eating disorders and disordered eating. And I've started right. to gather some some facts here. We've got 15% of kids who are self-reporting cutting, you know, self-harm, burning themselves, cutting themselves, right. pulling hair and stuff like that. We have now in Colorado, 20 plus percent self-reporting daily or weekly marijuana use. We have 13% of kids who identify themselves as addicted to video games. And now on top of that, you're telling me that there's 80% of kids who have either received or sent nude photographs of what is essentially child porn. I mean, any picture of a child's body sent or distributed is essentially the distribution of child porn. And so I get a lot of parents who are looking at, you know, well, my kid's doing this and not everybody's doing it. But when you start adding up 
all these numbers. And then you're telling me that the profile is not even a real profile of this troubled child or at-risk child for sending or receiving predatorial requests or sending things to try to garner attention. These numbers add up. And and one of the things I've tried to say to parents is don't tell me about the profile of an at-risk kid. They're all at risk nowadays. Is that Do you agree with that? Do you think that we've still, is there still only 20% of the population that we can actually bank on to make a future? Or what do you see when you look at teens nowadays? What what are we looking at? Again, I think 90% of our kids are great kids, but even those great kids have vulnerable moments in their life. And when you have something with technology that one small mistake, you send an inappropriate picture of yourself thinking it's going to someone your age and it turns out to be a predator that's an adult, you will be 13 for the rest of your life in that picture. In that picture, we cannot guarantee that that picture is going to disappear and not ever resurface again. And usually it's just not one picture, it's a few pictures. And all our kids have vulnerable moments. We as adults have vulnerable moments where we make a mistake, where we do something that, gosh, we wish we could take back. But when it is imprinted in technology, it's out there forever. And I tell kids, when you hit send, there is no return on send. Man. Okay, so now I'm a parent and I'm listening to your talk. Fortunately, I've come to you prior or I've got suspicion and I'm coming to you. My first question is, I got my kid's phone. What apps am I looking for? What should I delete off their phone? What's where, what, which apps make them the most vulnerable? Okay, well, first, if there has been, if there's communications and it looks like they had sent some inappropriate images of themselves to somebody and it turns out to be an adult, we want to preserve that. So we don't want to delete it because you want that investigated, not because your kid's in trouble, because the kid has made a mistake. Sure, there's the sexting and all that, but it's the adult that's trying to get those and keep those and circulate those to their friends and similar type people that they communicate with in these sexual deviant areas on technology. So you want to preserve that. But there are so many social networking sites, and I can't name them all, but I'll tell you some of the highlights. As simple as everyone loves Snapchat from probably fourth grade and up. And mom, dad, can I have Snapchat? You got to be aware that there's a lot of peer pressure. Oh, you can't have Snapchat? Come on, mom. Everyone has Snapchat. And the thing is, you need to know the settings for any app. Set the settings to private. Limit those people that have access to those pictures to people you know face-to-face. And this goes with anything, whether it be Snapchat, Kick, anything. Because what happens is, if somebody says, hey, this is my friend, uh, you should add him. He goes to this high school. But that per- your friend doesn't know that person face-to-face. And before long, you have a few adults on your site that are pretending to be teenagers instead of the adults that they are. So you should always know everyone face-to-face. But Snapchat, you can also have now with Snapchat, Snap Map. It shows your location. Why do we need to show exactly where we're at, even for our friends? If there are friends, why do they need to know that we're at grandma's today? Or why do they need to know that we're at the mall? I'm a big proponent of not sharing your location, even with your friends, because if you forget and somehow there is a predator amongst your friends, now they know your location. So location services should be shut off for all location 
messengers, uh, apps, anything that will show your location. Uh, Kik, K-I-K, is a messaging service, very popular with sixth grade all the way up to juniors in high school, even some older. But Kik is from Canada. It has millions and millions of users, many who use Kik because they're hoping not to be detected. And a lot of kids will say, well, I can be anonymous. Anonymous does not make you safe. Anonymous means you're anonymous, but it's the other person that you're speaking with is anonymous as well. If they're anonymous, they might be smart enough, though, that they can pick up little things such as, oh, you go to school, what school? Kids forget that by just mere mentioning your school or putting it in your profile, geographically, that narrows down where you're at during the school day to about a two-block area. Crucial information for somebody that is trying to lure and hurt one of our kids. And so little things like that, that kids don't think of, oh yeah, I play uh, varsity or I do this. I'm in gymnastics or I'm in dance. I got a dance recital this weekend. Little clues that no one would think about, especially our children or teens. And these guys are very good at getting all that and start using it to track and figure out who you are and where you are. So if I'm a parent now and I've I've talked with you, I've started to get information, I'm hearing you say no technology in the room, set time limits. If something happens, don't delete it. Make sure your settings to private, don't share locations. So now I'm a parent and I'm like, I'm armed with some of this stuff. What's my rules for my kid? I sit down, I say, I'm going to let you have this phone and I'm willing to do this as long as the following rules are being followed. These are non-negotiables. If I find that one of these rules is not being followed, the phone is lost, you're back to a flip phone with limited contacts. So what are the rules I'm giving my kiddo now? Well, one, you should have the password. When you get a smartphone and you give it to your kid, you should set up the parental controls. If your kid wants an app, they need to come to you and say, hey, I want this app. Then you discuss it. You research it. You decide, okay, why do you want this app? Okay, you can have this app. You go into parental controls. You download the app. You put back the parental controls on it. If you don't know how to set the parental controls, just go to your cell phone provider. They'll be happy to show you how the parental controls work. There's a YouTube video for every phone and every right. setting and everything. Exactly. So, But that way, you have a little bit of control. If they will not let you be their friends on a certain site, say they want Facebook, okay, What's your password? I can sign on anytime I want because just because you're their friend and you can see what they're posting, if they go into secret group and stuff, you can't tell whether your kid is in a secret group on Facebook unless you're actually on their account. And so if your kid can't allow you to have the passwords, the access, username, and so forth, that's a red flag. If your kids are on the up and up, they're going to say, sure, you can look at this. Here, you can have my password. Grab my phone anytime and look at it. If you're so worried, you might think about, well, maybe I need to have a paid cell phone, basically a safety monitoring such as phone sheriff, net nanny, and it'll, if you don't know somebody they're texting with or sending pictures to, you will be privy to all that and you can monitor it if you feel like you need to do more monitoring. Some families need more monitoring for their child. Those families know who they are and some just the parental controls and just the dynamics of communicating and saying, hey, let me see your phone. Sure, here it is. Oh, I'll show it to you in a minute. I'm busy. No, I want to see your phone now. If kids aren't doing anything wrong, they're going to say, here, here you go. And I tell kids, if you are sending a message, sending a picture 
and you're sitting there going, wow, my mom saw this or my dad saw this, they would not be happy, then you probably shouldn't send it. Real easy barometers. But then again, our kids don't think that way. They think in the moment, they live in the moment, and it's not because they're bad, it's because they're kids. And they're kids of 2017 now. It's not like when we grew up. It's a whole different world, and there's a lot out there and a lot for our kids to reap and get educated with, but there's also a lot of little dangers. Just like I tell kids, you put on seatbelts. Most people don't get in car accidents, but we put on seatbelts to be safe. If your parents put something on your phone to monitor you, it's not because they're worried about you. It's because they're worried about what is out there. And that's what you need to be aware of. It's, it's cell phone seatbelts. I love that. I love that concept. In watching you talk in, and, you know, hearing all this and everything, I start to feel like, okay, I, I start to feel and I can, I can grab something. When I was listening at, at the conference to your talk, I assumed I was relatively Mac savvy. I won't say tech savvy. I'll say Mac savvy. But then you brought up a term that I had never heard of when I left the conference. I researched it and it is prolific ghost apps. Can you please tell parents about ghost apps? Because I have made it through my kids getting into their 20s. I'd never heard of it. And it is a... Oh, it made me so angry that manufacturers are doing this stuff. Like, I can't... You said something that I believe is is across the board for any addiction. If you have to lie, if you have to steal, if you have to cheat, if you have to hide, there's a problem. And these are literally things made so that you can do all four of those things. Absolutely. A ghost app, or they're called hidden apps, one and the same. They come in all different forms. You might be able to see... One of these apps, it might be a look like a calculator. If you see two calculators on your kid's phone, there's a problem. But even if you go there and you check one calculator, yeah, it works. It's a calculator. You go to the other calculator, yeah, it works. But if you put in a special code, then that calculator opens into a form where you can hide pictures, hide text, hide a number of different things. And so people say, well, how do I know if my kid has a ghost app? you probably won't. The only way to ensure that you don't have a ghost app on your kid's phone or device such as an iPad, tablet, is you need to go back, hit factory settings, start all over, start your parental controls, and then make sure that there won't be a ghost app because you've set it back to factory settings. The concern now in today's world is, do you really need a ghost app or a hidden app? Because you have the cloud. And if you don't know the username or the password for the cloud, uh, you, all kids can get so much of the cloud that it doesn't cost anything as long as they don't go over the data. So you got to be aware of that. Now, one of the things I read, and I, I'd love confirmation on this, in doing the ghost app research, I was reading how to spot one, how to find one. And of course, they said, if there's two calculators, that one of them's not a real calculator. And then it said, how do you tell which one? Because they both work like calculators. What it said was, uh, and this makes sense, is that the ghost app will be the one that's a little off color. So if you and your child have the same phone or same iPad, you both have a calculator app on. Well, the ghost app calculator app is going to be off color because they can't copy the icon exactly because that would be copyright infringement. Is that realistic or is it just, is it moved beyond that now? Uh, somewhat realistic, but the problem is if you really, as a parent, these things are coming left and right. Like my uh, ghost app calculator has three brown squares and a yellow. The one that comes with the phone has three yellow and a gray. So it could be, but mm. you just don't want to 
you just don't want to base everything on what you see. It's what you can't see. And how are you going to prove it's, it's a ghost app anyway, because you're not going to have the code. And so the concern here is we're talking about calculators today. There's vault apps where you can have a, a photo vault app. And yeah, mom, I put my photos in the photo vault app. Oh, okay. Show them to me. You put in your password. There's, there's my photos. Well, if you put in a different password, then it takes you into a different part of the photo vault. So there is so much coming at us left and right, and we can't keep up with it as police. And to be honest with you, it's not that we're so smart. We find these things out when we go and interact with kids and kids tell us things or when a kid is in trouble or has gotten hurt. That's how we find them is because someone has now gotten in trouble and we're we're finding it after the fact. It's not like we're discovering these things and the first ones to find them. It's because kids have gotten in trouble or hurt from them or they've come to us because they know Chizo and our program. They say, hey, you might want to know about this. We had a friend that was using this and they got in trouble with or they were getting lured by somebody asking for their naked pictures or what have you. All right. So once again, I was talking to the video game addiction guy, Cam Adair. And, you know, we're, we're literally saying, are the video game manufacturers the evil scientists who are trying to take over the world through this? You know, are they the enemy? We're talking to Carmen Cool about body imagery and these these magazines, these movies, the constant sexualizing, not only of adults, but of children and the, and the mm-hmm. hyper-sexualized behavior in, in media. And now we've got another one where these app manufacturers are literally creating tools that the only people who have any real reason to use them, and I, this is a very broad statement, I'm willing to take this risk and, and say this and recant if I need to, but who needs this stuff? So we're dealing with a systemic cultural issue yet again. We're dealing with people, the anarchy of the internet with no real, where's the responsibility of these app manufacturers saying, hey, listen, parents, we have this app and this is what it's used for, but we're seeing kids also use it for this. And you need to know about this. And we still want you to purchase our stuff, but this one's bad. Like you're still out there trying to save one kid at a time and the deck is stacked. It is. The bottom line is it comes to parents being parents, being more vigilant, taking the time out to see what their kids are doing. And there are some parents out there that are just happy that their kids aren't bugging them. Their kids are up in their room texting their friends. They're not causing any problems. They're not fighting with their siblings. They're not making any problems until, boom, something explodes and they're in trouble for either sending inappropriate pictures to their friends or worse to a predator or being lured and contacted by a predator. And then all of a sudden, the parents, it's like being in uh, the deep end of a pool not knowing how to swim and they can't believe it's happening. It's it's happening far more than anyone realizes. And a lot of kids get away with it. A lot of kids go into adulthood uh, with um, knowing, hey, I screwed up, but I didn't get caught. But there's a lot of kids that are hurt and they're not getting over it. And they take a lot of these issues when they're sexually abused. Somebody might get sentenced for 10 years for luring a kid through technology. But the kid that was lured the actual child or teen will live with that forever. And they take those vulnerabilities and those esteem issues onto the next generation when they raise their kid and subject their kid to their vulnerabilities and to their uh, what, what they went through. It's a life sentence for an abused victim. That's the piece I know, because you can imagine in, in a recovery work, there's very rarely a girl that I've worked with who wasn't 
sexually assaulted in some way. And it's led to addiction. It's led to self-harm. It's led to body image issues, relationship struggles with family. And parents really struggle to hold on to their kids. But I, I want to reiterate the rules that you talk about for these parents. Parents, you got to have the password. You've got to be the friend and you've got to be an administrator in your kids' social sites. Think about paid monitoring service. And if all else fails, wipe that machine, restore those factory settings, and you set it all. And, in, and parents, I want want to say, and this is something that I promote a lot, these things that we give our kids and then take away when we're angry, I think there's a different philosophy for this to say, listen, I've bought an extra phone and you may use it as long as these, I'm willing to supply you with a phone as long as these rules, I'm willing to pay for your service as long as these rules. And the moment we step outside these rules, you shut that thing off, you take that thing down, you remove this thing that has given these predators access to our children. So we also got to remember that if you have an old cell phone in a drawer or an old iPod or what have you, if our kids, we take away something, remember if those are just laying around and, hey, we don't have service on them anymore. All they need is Wi-Fi and they're back in business with a free phone number from Text Plus, Text Now. And so keep track of your old devices. Keep track of where you put them and make sure our kids aren't using those as a secondary device. Well, and, and I, I can tell you, I've kept every, I have my first iPhone, which was the very first generation. I still have it. I use it as my gym thing and I could certainly hook it up and com use it like a phone. I could make phone calls, send video chats, send and receive texts, Facebook, and, and there's no service on the thing. Right. Man, man, oh man. And then uh, for parents, they can always check out our Facebook site, Chizo. C-H-E-E-Z-O, Cheezo Cool Cat. They don't have to like our page. They don't have to friend us. But about every other day, we put tips for parents on things that we're seeing, sometimes reviews. So uh, they can always go to uh, our website. If they have questions, we respond in a timely manner. And if there's an emergency, if we can't help them because of jurisdictional problems, we will try to guide them to the right law enforcement entity. Yeah, you know, I'm a friend on your your Facebook page. I've been to your website at chizo.com and this Facebook page, parents, it's fantastic. It's where I started finding things like phonesheriff.com and netnanny. There are some other ones. There's reviews you can find online, but Chizo Cool Cat on Facebook. It's a great resource. It's it it's kid friendly, but it is packed with parent information. You guys have done a really good job on your Facebook page, Sergeant. I'm, I'm really impressed. Well, thank you so much. We hope it's uh, valuable. Uh, we get a lot of positive feedback and we uh, we try to, again, try to put something on there that's uh, useful for all parents and even some kids. Sergeant Harris, I just really want to thank you for your time. I know you're busy. I'm not going to take any more because I want you to get out there and grab these bastards and throw them away and get them recovery, whatever is needed next for them. But what you and your wife do from my heart, I appreciate you so deeply. You are on the front lines. You are in the trenches and it's, it's a utter bloodbath out there. And you continually, you and your wife continually head out there every single day. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for my children. Thank 
you for what you do. I really, really appreciate you. You're very welcome. I appreciate your comments. So folks, go to the Facebook page, Chizo Cool Cat on Facebook. Hit them up. If you can get yourself to one of their talks, please do share this information with your friends and get this information to your friends before one of your friends need it. Because I can tell you as the guy who works with the kids after it's all happened and the legal stuff is going on and these kids' lives are a mess, there is hope. There is a way back, but it is worth every uncomfortable moment with your child to avoid what could happen if you're not willing to have these uncomfortable talks and make these uncomfortable rules. Parents, do the hard thing. It's usually the best thing. Sergeant, again, thank you so much. And parents, same mantra as always. You take care of yourself first. You take care of yourself first. You take care of your adult relationship second. You take care of your kids third, because in this way, we do our best work with the kids. Parents, set the example with your cell phones. Set them down at dinner time. Have a conversation. Sergeant, again, thank you. I want to thank my crew at Mental Health News Radio and boss goddess Kristen Walker, Maggie, and Emily, my engineer. Folks, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Beyond Risk and Back. Support for parents, clinicians, and teachers. Join us at beyondriskandback.com. You can download past episodes there. Visit Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center's website for information, support, and continuing education trainings for parents and professionals at www.firemountainprograms.com. You can also connect with me directly on Facebook by searching at Beyond Risk and Back. You can also follow me on Twitter, catch me on YouTube, and join me here every week for another podcast. This is Aaron Huey saying, remember, take care of yourself first, your adult relationships second, and your children third, because in that way, we do our best work for the children. Thank you for listening, and we will talk again soon.